Peace and blessings, and welcome to another episode of Sickle Teller. I am your host, King of Day, and trying to loosen up a little bit and, you know, not make this too formal, but not too not formal, if you kind of get what I mean, Um, because I think I've been psyching myself out a little bit about the whole concept or the idea behind this. I mean, again, it's it is what it is, you know, it's kind of a podcast based around my life and what it means to have sickle cell and then digging deeper what sickle cell means to me and those around me and then what sickle cell means to the people that are affected by sickle cell and um then how sickle cell affects people and hopefully how you know this essentially will affect a larger group of people because they'll be informed more about sickle cell than before they were and then on an even deeper note, it's kind of just about ailments and illnesses in general. And, you know, sometimes the challenges that people have trying to communicate what it's like from that perspective, because most people don't know what it's like to be sick or to have a chronic illness or whatever the case is. So, um, you know, as I'm going through the motions of, you know, ironing this out, I'm glad that you guys are here with me. I'm glad that you guys are constantly tuning in and taking the time to listen to whatever I may have on my mind to discuss from a perspective of sickle cell and or chronic illness. And hopefully it has some sort of help on, you know, your day to day or whatever you have going on. So with that being said, um, the last episode, I was just talking about, you know, being selfish and trying to utilize the idea of being selfish a lot more. Because I felt like, for me, um, I had so many things that were going on in the pandemic. I had so many things that were going on in the pandemic, um, and I was working so much that I felt like um, I needed to take a step back and, you know, look at what I needed to do for myself. And, you know, in that time, uh, obviously health is always one of those things, but more importantly, I took the time to actually go and um, set up an appointment for physical therapy. Now, I did have my hip replaced in 2016, the four-year anniversary of that just passed not too long ago. Um, That was a very emotional time for me, just because it was a reminder of um, what it took to get to the point of having um, to need surgery, but then also what it took to bounce back from having surgery and on so many different levels and layers. It was just, you know, a very hard thing to like think about. Um, And what made it harder is because why I needed to go to physical therapy is my shoulders are starting to um, develop the same AVN that I had in my hip and AVN, excuse me, AVN happens to be, for a clear explanation, a vascular necrosis is a disease that results from the temporary or permanent loss of blood supply to the bone. It happens most commonly in the ends of a long bone. A vascular necrosis may be the result of an injury, use of medication, or alcohol. Symptoms may include joint pain and limited range of motion. So, even when I had my hip replacement, I still had um, a lot of limitations with my shoulders, but it wasn't 
as bad as maybe two and a half years ago. Uh, I was now, of course, anybody that has a surgery, you know, you start to rehab. And as you're rehabbing, you're realizing that your body is not as strong as it once was. So I was trying to, you know, be proactive and start working out and getting my my body back to the best physical shape it could be post-surgery. Um, so I started going back to the gym once I was done with surgery and all that. Um, now my doctor told me that I couldn't really do a lot of leg exercises and she meant more so like anything that was going to be very impactful. So running um, or anything, just putting a lot of weight, you know, things that were a lot of a lot less stressful, I should say, such as like bike riding or um, on the elliptical. Things of that nature were easier, but to actually like run and to, you know, allow my body weight to fall back on like my hips and the bones, it just would be too much wear and tear. And we're trying to preserve the other hip at the same time as well. So um, at that point, I was a little bit more concerned with just working on getting my core, my like upper body strength a little bit uh, more, I guess, in my control. But even with that, I always had like, I really, I never could like reach my back. And I never thought that that was something that was alarming because it was just, you know, you don't know what you can't do until it's a problem, right? So I would always remember um, not being able to touch my back in certain situations. And, you know, it just wasn't really a big deal. But at this point, um, I remember I was at the gym and I started doing like just some chest exercises. And I would just feel these like sharp pains in my shoulder. It was very uncomfortable to the point where the next time that I went to go see my doctor, I made mention to it. I said, hey, um, I'm having shoulder pains. You know, I don't know if it's just me working out a little too hard or whatever the case is. And she was like, well, that could be a sign that you might be developing AVN in the shoulders just like you had in your hip. And being that you just came off of surgery, we're going to send you to a specialist and find out. So 2018, this was October, probably two years after the surgery. Yeah, two years after the surgery and two years ago, I went and got an x-ray and I was told that I had AVN in my shoulders. Um, and... I was annoyed in so many different ways because not only am I realizing that I had shoulder surgery now in my future, but I just came off of a hip surgery on one hip. And to say the least, there's no guarantee that the life of this um, replacement is going to be the full term. Obviously, you want it to, but there's no guarantee. So now I'm starting to internalize the different variables of what that means. You know, do I need to get surgery right away? Because from what I saw in the pictures, the um, the bone on my left side is pretty much rubbing. So there is no cartilage or I mean, I, I, I don't want <clears throat> to misspeak on what exactly is going on. In that scenario, I just know that from what they told me, the bones are rubbing and there's, you know, it's causing a lot of pain. So 
that would be the one, depending on how painful it gets, that I would need to get surgery on the uh, fastest. The other shoulder is not as bad, but it is slowly starting to develop um, signs and symbols of it having AVN as bad as the other shoulder is. So now I think to myself, do I need to have two replacements at the same time? Do I want to do one and one? Do I even want to think about this now? And um, I kind of didn't. I thought about it, but didn't think about it because I was starting to work and I was, you know, trying to set up a lot of other things that were going on in my life, like planning for my wedding, um, just, you know, trying to figure these things out. And it's it's tough because at no point was any decision right nor wrong. But um, I knew that the amount of time that is required to truly take a step back and create a regimen that allows me to do this correctly was something that I didn't have the energy to try to figure out. And I know that now because I stand back on the other side of having more time and, you know, the clarity of mind to make, you know, certain decisions or to look back on certain things. Like I knew that I was, I wanted to do it, but it was just like, trying to find the time to do it and it's crazy to think that you have to make time for health but again it's one of the things that you don't realize until you are forced to sit down and going to work and providing you know a comfortable life always feels more important than stopping to you know stretch or um go to physical therapy or sit down and set up an appointment with a physical therapist so you know, these are things that I was very, very, very um, just hot and cold on because I had so many thoughts, ideas about, you know, what I should do, what I shouldn't do, how this was going to work, how it wasn't going to work, what was the best process. You know, my time wasn't, you know, at my disposal the way I needed it to. Um, so I was just confused as to what to do. And I just didn't do anything, you know, and that probably wasn't the best idea. But, you know, it was kind of all that I felt I could do at the moment. So, you know, as again, pandemic hits, you know, the wedding that I was planning is now transitioned into a virtual reception and wedding and all that. And time is slowing down. Workload is slowing down. And now, as again, I'm realizing that I'm not working as much as I was. Um, you know, maybe this is the time for me to sit down and figure out the physical therapy or what I'm going to do with my shoulders. Um, and discussing with my doctor, she was excited that I was finally going to go to physical therapy because she spoke to me about it several times. And, you know, again, I postponed it because, like I said, I had too many things going on. And, you know, now I just kind of felt like it made sense. She felt that that was a very great decision for me to make because we can't make a decision on if surgery is necessary if we've never even tried physical therapy. So I finally started physical therapy on my shoulders. And, um, you know, the first couple of sessions were a little difficult because it was the reminder of how difficult surgery is when you know what your body was capable of at one point or another. You know, it wasn't um, like I, I could 
raised my both my hands up 10, 12, 8 years ago. You know, I don't remember when I couldn't do it, but now that I can't, it's painful and I don't know what would be the best way to get back to normal, you know, trying to rehab it and hoping that, you know, it kind of gets better that way or just going ahead and doing the surgery and, you know, playing my cards that way. Um, so the first, you know, two or three sessions were tough because, again, you just have all these thoughts, these ideas, and you know how difficult it is. But I think I was able to um, kind of take a step back a little bit and think about why surgery is inevitable, but why physical therapy is going to be helpful to getting me into a place of bettering what I know about my body. Um, Because Until you have a physical therapist or a therapist that doesn't really know you, but just diagnoses conditions, you know, and all they can really give you is the advice on, well, this should help if you do this and this we can say helps in this scenario. Um, It is one thing, but when, you know, as you're having the conversation about, you know, so what's wrong and the shoulder is really bad and, you know, you might have capillitis, I think they were saying, which is um, something I'll Google in a second. But discussing all of these things and going back and forth with a physical therapist who knows nothing about you. And then here's, you know, you have sickle cell that you had a hip replacement and you have ABN. They're like, oh, well, all these things are making more sense as to why we're seeing what we're seeing. And we can't tell you that surgery isn't going to be the thing you need eventually but hopefully we can figure out ways to slow down the process of you needing to have surgery maybe in two years maybe in three years you know maybe we can slow it down to where you won't need to have surgery for another five years and um you know those are things that were on my mind initially because when you start to do math um if a prosthetic lasts 15 years right I get surgery at 35. That means that I need to have a replacement at 50. And the likelihood of your body being able to bounce back from certain like surgeries at the age that you're at, depending on the location, is always a little bit more challenging. Now, go a step further. We do a replacement at 50. Another 15 years is 65. And, you know, again, if 50 sounds challenging, Imagine what 65 is going to be like to go in and do a shoulder replacement or whatever the case is. So, you know, I'm always very mindful of how much I can kind of prolong this process on on this side because I know I'm going to need surgery regardless. It doesn't make sense to run and just waste a year or two or three on the back end because I was ignorant to how much pain I was in and or how much I can augment the experience by maybe going to physical therapy. Um, But at the same time, it still is not something that you're prepared for until you're literally in the situation of witnessing. So I think, you know, those two sessions or three sessions and those conversations were, you know, the necessary conversations I needed to hear because it gave me that insight. And as I started doing some exercises on my own, 
I definitely got a lot more comfortable with uh, what my arms and my shoulders could do versus what I was expecting them not to do. And that was helpful. You know, it was, it was super helpful. It made what going to physical therapy was a lot easier. Um, but on the flip side of that, as I was getting all of myself and my thoughts together, and I was like, you know, I'm going to be selfish. I also went to my doctor and um, she reminds me that I need to have my eyes checked annually. So um, um, as I was doing that, um, I went to the doctor, eye doctor and eye doctor pointing something, pointed something out that he wanted me to go to see a specialist for. And that turned into me seeing a specialist and a specialist saying that there's something that we might be able to um, to take care of with surgery. Um, and again, another surgery. And it just, you know, this was within the month of October, November. This was all happening and surgery supposed to be within the month of December. Um, and uh, it was a lot like just thinking about it all like a few days ago I was just overwhelmed like I had they called me for from pre-op for surgery and I had physical therapy and I just it was just too much it was too much I didn't I didn't have the energy to imagine what it would be like to go and get surgery and then have to like be out for a day or two or three and not be able to do what you need to in your normality. Now, of course, God forbid you lose your vision. You're not going to be able to do what you need to do. I get it. I'm not saying that I'm not going to do the surgery if <clears throat> this is something that isn't like important and necessary to like continue on my vision. The point I'm making is that when you are so used to or when you have been in and out of a hospital for a point in time, or you have to plan out time to spend in a hospital or to not be active in life, or you know that that can just happen because of a crisis. It almost becomes daunting when you have to like mentally prepare yourself to go and do these things, because you know like, all right, well, if I have a car, you know, I have to place this somewhere. If I have this, I have to place it somewhere. Now again, you're not expecting that you're doing these things all alone, but not everybody is always in a position where they have a huge support system and people that understand what support means in this situation. So that's why at times it is always challenging because you're always overthinking the best decision for you, um, not always for those around you, but for you and Sometimes that's difficult because you have to include those around you. Um, and again, it becomes a very challenging thing because you're the one that's going into the hospital and, uh, you know, dealing with whatever situations that you're dealing with. But it's always hard to need support, but not always sure where the support is coming from. And I'm speaking from a broad place. I'm not speaking about anybody or anything in particular, but... You know, this, these are the things that you always have to be mindful of. Like, who can stop their life to wait on you hand and foot if you can't do something for three months? Who is going to 
you know, pick up and do X, Y, and Z for you when you can't for the next two or three months. And if you're fortunate to have family, amazing. Fortunate to be married, fantastic. Um, you know, I'm fortunate to have both of those things, but I'm also um, responsible enough to know that that doesn't allow me the opportunity to expect people to do these things. You know, I have to prepare myself and prepare the situation to the best of my ability. And then whatever I can't, then, you know, that's when I turn around and I start to ask those around me for help. Um, but, you know, the entire experience was just a lot in the, the last two or three months. So, you know, I, I had to postpone it and just reconsider it because having a conversation with my um, doctor, she was suggesting physical therapy for my eye. The doctor, the specialist says it didn't make sense. So between the two things, I myself needed to just think about what I needed to do for me and make the decision based on that. So, you know, surgery just becomes a lot. And now that I'm realizing more and more and more and more and more of this is like going to be in my formidable, I mean, just a part of the next phases of my life, it's, you know, something that I must augment as well. You know, crisis was one thing that I had to figure out and get a hold on. But now it seems like it's going to be surgeries and possibly doing replacements on things or whatever the case is. And, you know, it sucks to know that that could be the reality. But at the same time, I'm glad to know that um, I... I'm strong enough in my mental to be able to take a step back and know that I can prepare for those things. So, yeah, that's been the last couple of weeks, you know, just trying to bounce back from what it feels like being involved in so many different exhausting emotional aspects of just one part of your life, which is having sickle cell, you know, um, and sometimes it's a very draining aspect, very, very draining aspect of life because all the decisions that are made, um, still have their attachment to sickle cell, but they don't always have a... I can pick a job that I want to do, but not do it because of sickle cell. But if I have sickle cell, no matter what job I have, sickle cell has to be a part of it, if that makes sense. You know, that's the explanation that I was trying to get to because, you know, I'm never like, I can't go swimming because that's one of the after effects of, you know, sickle cell anemia is, you know, the adjusting from temperatures at a rapid pace will cause your body to go into shock and you have a crisis. So I never experienced what it's like to go swimming. One of the things that just is what it is for sickle cell. However, it doesn't mean that I don't try to have, you know, as much fun on the beach as possible, but I just know that that aspect of it just ain't for me. Um, so, you know, it's just making those adjustments and augmenting, 
you know, my perspective on these things. And then having to hopefully allow everybody around me to feel as comfortable as I am once I get to the place. Because I think, too, um, it's difficult to be strong when others are afraid because they're afraid that you're not 100% strong. They're trying to be strong for you or they're trying to be afraid for you. Um, and those things are tough because it's not an emotion that you can or can't share or that you don't want to share. But at the same time, it's an emotion that once you exhibit, others carry. So when I'm in pain, other people carry my pain. When I'm in, you know, when I'm strong, people carry my strength. When I'm scared, people carry my fears. So, um, you know, those are the things that I also try to be very mindful of when sharing and, you know, expressing what places I'm in in regards to certain things. Because not everybody can, can can handle it to the magnitude that I can. Um, not in a selfish or arrogant way, but I've been doing this for 34 plus years. And, you know, I have conversations with my brother about it. And he, you know, he agrees in how difficult it can be to express the intent that one has when trying to figure out how to maneuver accordingly with your life and your health and, you know, your day to day, but still having the responsibility of being, you know, able to communicate what is necessary for those around you to be able to help you and to um, feel included. You know, it's a balance because that is different for every relationship. Different if you're a boyfriend, um, different if you're a husband, different if you're a son, different if you're a father, different if you're a, a wife, if you're a, a sister, a girlfriend, a teacher, nurse, you know, it's different. It It always changes. And, you know, that's one of the hardest parts, I think, about having a chronic or um, a illness is that, you know, certain things are not always as visible. So when having to explain, you know, you're always explaining to people from a different perspective. They always look at you as maybe being somebody who has something, but you're, you know, this is your friend. So you're trying to make your friend, quote unquote, comfortable or um, allow them to feel able to know how to support versus, you know, your sibling who's seen and understands. You know, that doesn't mean that you don't have to explain certain things to them, but they know more. So your relationship, your expectation may change in regards to that versus, you know, your significant other who, you know, may or may not know to the extent, but will learn because they may be there for some of the most crucial and um, challenging times. So, you know, augmenting <clears throat> how you see your relationships, how you maneuver in those relationships um, when you become comfortable enough to express how you are going to be in that relationship because of sickle cell is a lot, you know, and, and not everybody can handle it. I, trust me. I tell you this, that it's not an easy thing because you have to be able to always be mindful of um, someone else's 
just someone else in a way that's very, very, very sensitive. You know, whether it's traveling, you know, I've had, I've had crisis when I've gone traveling, you know, that's been a traumatic situation for my wife. Um, you know, cause a time or two, I've gotten sick literally hours before we were flying back home and my entire flight was me having a crisis in the air, like barely able to sit comfortably, you know, trying to dose pain medication, you know, that's traumatic for her. Um, and you know, those are things that we both have to figure out how we're going to, um, deal with going forward because now she obviously gets scared, but for me, you know, I'm not going to not travel because of, um, you know, two different scenarios. Maybe there was something that I need to improve on or I need to be mindful of in those scenarios. And that's, you know, how I have to look at it. So, you know, those are the things that make it challenging because you always have to be ready to adapt and to augment and to pinpoint what could have triggered a crisis or what caused it. And also being able to say like, yeah, maybe I didn't do anything wrong. Maybe I just had a crisis, you know, understanding that too. So, you know, it's like all these things sometimes become very challenging because sometimes you don't want to think about it from that perspective. But um, that's what the last couple of weeks have been about. It's been um, really introspective. I mean, I just got back from physical therapy not so long ago, actually. <clears throat> um, so I felt like as I was fresh off of a good session, you know, therapist is saying that we're gaining some more um, range of motion in my shoulders, which is good. So I know that hopefully if I continue, I can, you know, just push the date out of this a little bit longer, a little bit longer, a little bit longer. Um, was definitely not with, I mean, even with, I wasn't even really trying to be in nobody's hospital right now with everything that's going on. I wasn't trying to be around and like, nah, it's like, I don't need to be in a hospital for no surgery right now. So like the, the whole idea of the surgery is like, if I could push it out another two, three months and, you know, hopefully the numbers go down, I'll feel a little bit more like at ease going into a hospital for surgery. But right now, you know, people could barely even go see you. Granted, it'll be in and out, but I just don't. I don't have the energy as I hear ambulance in the background. So triggering. Um, I don't have the energy for it, and I don't really want to partake. You know, I'd much rather spend the next couple of weeks of this year in my house with my family, safe and controlling um, my interactions as much as possible because, you know, we still got a lot to deal with in regards to COVID-19, especially in New York City. Um, yeah, so that was what's been going on. And um, so I just want to make sure that I, um, you know, tap in a little bit more, share what's going on. Hopefully have more interviews with other people, more conversations and make this a more comp- constant conversation excuse me but uh thank you guys for listening have a good one you guys be safe